Welcome to Godable, a daily reading of holy texts known in the Unificationist community as Hundoke. Today we are reading from the Champumogyong. Champumogyong, Book 1 True Parents' Advent and the Era of True Parents Chapter 1, Section 2, Paragraph 14 Human beings start from a family. A family begins with a man and a woman becoming husband and wife. Therefore, for the original family to begin, the only begotten son must marry the only begotten daughter. The only begotten son and daughter were to have been the original Adam and Eve, free from the fall. Then they were to become true parents and give birth to sons and daughters. As people who attend true parents, if you want your sons and daughters to be perfected, you need to provide them with an environment in which they learn how to live for the sake of others in the four directions. These are represented by their grandfather, grandmother, father, and mother. Children are to live for the sake of their parents. Parents are to live for the sake of their children and also for the sake of their own parents. Grandparents are to live for the sake of their grandchildren and grandchildren are to live for the sake of their grandparents. A husband is to live for the sake of his wife and a wife is to live for the sake of her husband. In this kind of environment, the grandfather and grandmother, husband and wife, and all the siblings are included. Following this principled model of the family, we should build a family in which we live for the sake of each other. If we do so, this will indeed bring about the kingdom of heaven in our family. Freedom from Original Sin Adam and Eve, the first ancestors of humanity, fell when they succumbed to Satan's temptation. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thus committing the original sin. The original sin was an illicit sexual relationship. This sin defiled God's lineage. Instead of passing down God's love through the ensuing generations, they multiplied descendants through Satan's false love. In the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew records the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It preserves a record of how in his lineage, among the descendants of the fallen Adam, good and evil were separated and goodness advanced. It records how, during the 4,000-year history of the providence of restoration, through indemnity, the blood connection to Satan was severed in that lineage, in order that Jesus could be born as God's only begotten Son. Thus, Jesus at birth had nothing to do with original sin. He came to this world to receive his bride and become the true father, so that they could take the position of true parents. They were to give birth to children free from original sin, and also to give rebirth to fallen human beings and remove their original sin. Instead, however, Jesus died on the cross due to the disbelief of the people of Israel. Still, he left with the promise that he would come again and complete the work he had left unfinished. Therefore, the returning Lord, who comes as the third Adam, inherits Jesus' foundation. This allows him to start out from the position of the Messiah and from there to attain the position of the true parent. When he does so, he can fulfill the mission of completing God's ideal of creation. Original sin is based on sexual relationships under the realm of Satan's dominion. Jesus was born without original sin, and thus he is free from the condition of Satan's accusation. To make this possible, God worked to reverse the positions of Cain and Abel. Jacob reversed positions with Esau, and Perez and Zerah's positions were switched at the time of their birth. In this way, God laid the foundation for his victory. As a result, Jesus could be born as a man free from original sin. Jesus is God's son. He was born under God's dominion, free from original sin. Original sin is the condition by which Satan accuses all human beings. Since Jesus is free of original sin, 
he can return to the original position of Adam prior to the fall. Therefore, Jesus alone could be the second Adam, who came to rectify Adam's failure and become the original ancestor of humankind. I am saying that he could stand in Adam's stead. From that point on, humankind could enter a new era, the New Testament age. Since Jesus was born free of original sin, he was totally free from Satan's accusations in terms of lineage. Not only that, he subjugated Satan, the archangel. In this way, Jesus could stand tall in the position of the original Adam. In the Bible, we read the story of Jacob, who, to receive the blessing of his father, Isaac, cooperated with his mother, Rebekah, to deceive his father as well as his older brother, Esau. We also read the story of Tamar, who had sexual relations with her father-in-law, Judah, and gave birth to the twins, Perez and Zerah. It concludes with Perez and Zerah becoming the center of blessing for Judah's tribe. These stories describe behavior that contradicts conventional morality. So why are they in the Bible? Besides, in the first chapter of Matthew, we read of four women of questionable morals, Tamar, Bathsheba, Rehab, and Ruth. The Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament is equivalent to Genesis in the Old Testament. Why do these blemished, unholy women appear in its first chapter? There is no way to answer these questions unless we know the principal teaching on the human fall. These questions have been answered only since the time of my coming. Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph, was in the same position as Eve. When Adam and Eve fell, they were like a betrothed couple. Therefore, any woman chosen to restore Eve's fall through indemnity would also have to be betrothed to someone. In such a position, Mary had to follow the tradition of Rebecca and Tamar. She stood in the position to inherit the tradition, representing those women who had acted to purify the lineage. To give birth to God's child, Mary upheld God's will at the risk of her life and willingly went the way of sacrificing herself. Like Tamar before her, she regarded the establishment of Israel's kingship as her supreme hope. Disregarding her own life, she strove to inherit God's will and bequeath it to the Son of God. She was such an historic woman. Mary pursued God's will with more passion than any other woman. She was a courageous woman like Tamar, who, with utter devotion and loyalty to God, willingly took whatever risk was necessary in order to bring God's precious lineage into the world. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and foretold that she would soon conceive a child, Mary said, How shall this be since I have no husband? And when the angel said, With God nothing will be impossible, Mary answered, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. From Luke 134-38 Mary could not take that position without risking her own life. In accordance with the five books of Moses at that time, an unmarried woman who became pregnant should be stoned to death. Nevertheless, God had Mary give birth to Jesus because she placed God's will above her life and her honor. Thus, for the first time in human history, the Son of God was born. He was Jesus, born from Mary's womb in accordance with God's will. Satan could not make any accusation against Jesus in Mary's womb because Mary did not seek to give birth to Jesus. On the contrary, she simply obeyed the command of God and lived for his will. Not only that, Mary set up a victorious foundation from beginning to end, from conception to birth, so that Jesus could be born from her womb free of accusation. Ever since the tragic history of Adam and Eve, the basis of all the struggles of humankind had their beginning in the womb. Finally with Mary, a child inside the womb was separated from that basis. Such was the lineage into which Jesus was born. Therefore, at the root, Jesus is different from any other religious founder, 
any prophet or any world-famous religious leader. Jesus is the world-level representative who emerged from the lineage that Satan could not accuse. Jesus was the first man to be born in the lineage centered on God. Further, he came on the foundation of all the conditions necessary to separate sin from human history. This makes him the first person who was born of the lineage centered on God. Because Mary acted with a pure motivation to attend God's will, Jesus was born on earth as the true Son of God. Jesus' father was not Joseph. He was a man in the realm of the archangels on God's side, not that of the fallen angel. He followed God's direction. Jesus could be recognized as the original Adam because God had prepared a foundation surpassing that of Satan's world for him to be on God's side. It was on that foundation that God could sow his seed of life and Jesus could inherit God's realm of heart. Jesus was born in such a position from a seed that had been separated from Satan's lineage. Such a person had never before existed in history. That is why Jesus could be the Messiah and the Savior of humankind. Because he was the first human being born from a God-centered bond of love, he can rightly be called God's only begotten Son. Jesus came on the national level with the authority of the King of Kings. He inherited the victorious historical foundation of a lineage changed from Satan's to God's. Therefore, although Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, Satan could not claim, He is my Son. Mary stood on the national level when she conceived Jesus. She conceived him based on the foundation of Israel's history, which passed down to her the tradition of Tamar's heart. Mary paid the indemnity of heart, and by doing so, rectified the mistake of Eve. She stood among those women of Israel, whose course was to bear sons dedicated to the change of lineage. She conceived Jesus based on the completion of the restoration of the elder son. For these reasons, from the time of his conception, Satan could not claim Jesus as his son. From the moment of his conception in Mary's womb, Jesus stood on the foundation of a lineage that was already purified through this process in history. Hence, Satan cannot claim Jesus as his son, even though Jesus was conceived with the authority of the elder son that Satan had always coveted. God cannot establish his right of primogenitor unless his son, who could claim his own right as the elder son, even while inside his mother's womb, was born on earth. That son was Jesus. He was the first person in history since the fall who represented God's heart. Among all people, he could inherit this most deeply. Therefore, Jesus was able to declare, I am God's only begotten Son. Because he was the one who restored the authority of the elder son, centered on love, he could be the Messiah. Jesus came to earth based on the foundation of a process to purify the lineage. The change of lineage was attained in the time of the twins first by Jacob's efforts with Esau to restore the right of the elder son, and then by Perez and Zerah, who fought in the womb of their mother, Tamar, and reversed the positions of the older and the younger. This is recorded in the Bible. The Bible is revelatory. It is a book of treasures that can never be left out of the history of culture, religion, or the world. Hidden within it are the sages and secrets of human history, and matters to be untangled. These must be resolved. That is why we must restore the lineage. Jesus, who was born from Mary's womb, changed the fallen lineage of Satan's world. He came from the position where his lineage already had been changed. Accordingly, his bride, his partner, also had to go through the process of changing her lineage. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Godable. Godable is brought to you by the National Victory Fund and support from listeners like you. To donate, visit godable.org. Thank you.